one of the biggest differentiators in understanding our value is again, we need to get better at targeting our own ideal client because clients are coming to us because we're gonna help you convert online. We have to uncover with a client, what does conversion mean for you? Because conversion really is a sale. Like, let's be real. If your business goal is to sell more Nalgene water bottles, the thing is, that's a very specific goal. And the good news, the more specific, the better you can do because you should be simple, clear, and direct in that. And that's where we see explosive growth. Welcome to Check Your Aesthetic Podcast, the go-to podcast for self-starting creatives. I'm Katie Campbell, the owner of Katie Creative Co., a social media management agency located in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I'm Alexis Aldrich, a Vermont-based content creator focused on promoting productivity that fits your unique lifestyle and growing my career in marketing and creative business strategy. On CYA, you will catch authentic conversations around entrepreneurship, social media, self-care, and the creative industry. If you're looking to grow your online following, boost your productivity, and connect with other ambitious female creatives, then you've come to the right place. Let's get into this week's episode. Hi, Alexis. Hello. How are you? I'm doing so good. It is a beautiful day here, a beautiful January day. You guys are not listening to this in January. Um... But it, we had a big time storm last night with the scariest thunder ever, but it has led to, as storms usually do, a very beautiful next day. So it's finally sunny Love and that. I'm slaying. But even better here, than that. Here in Vermont, it's not slaying, but it's okay. <laughs> that doesn't surprise um, me. Um, <laughs> no, well, speaking of Vermont, our guest today is actually yes. from Vermont. And I'm going to let Alexis introduce her because she is the one who connected with her and got us this amazing guest. So yes, Alexis, so- take it away. Yes, so I just want to say first that sometimes um, you never know when a networking opportunity is going to present itself and like who you can, who you might know and how. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason I'm saying this is that my two-year-old brother is the reason why that this, um, why you are going to hear this great episode today. Uh, So my two-year-old brother, his best friend's mom is Emily McMahon. She is the VP of a digital marketing agency here in Vermont called Scout Digital. She is also a junior partner. Um, And I connected through her, through my stepmom, since the two little boys are nice friends. Yes, besties. (laughs) Um, And they go to the um, aquarium together. So sweet. Yes. Um, But anyways, so Emily... We connected, I believe it was in like September, um, and she gave me a lot of really great insights and um, advice on, you know, exploring my career in marketing and getting started post my graduation from SCAD. And I knew as soon as we started talking, I was like, we got to get her on the podcast because she's just an amazing speaker, um, has a lot of really great experience that she can talk to. Um, and I also think that it's really important for us as women in the industry to, um, hear from other women in the industry, especially ones that have been successful. Um, Mm -hmm. and something that I really love about her is that she is a mom and is able to, um, you know, be an active mom. She has Ryan, um, Teddy's friend, and then um, she is currently pregnant as well, which is super exciting. Congratulations, Emily. Um, But yeah, I think that like that is something that I look up to a lot and the fact that 
I know that Katie is and I am very ambitious in our both of our respective careers, but we still want to be, um, you know, a mom. That's something that is, you know, down the line, something that we're interested in and we don't need to sacrifice that. Yeah. Um, we, like either one. You don't need to sacrifice the career and you don't need to sacrifice the family. You can have both. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, so anyways, we talked a lot about how best you can present yourself to employers if you are a service-based or you have a service-based business, how you can best present yourself to um, possible clients. And if you have a product-based business, how you can best present that business and that product to consumers. Um, So yeah. Yeah. And I think at the end of the interview, you guys will hear, we talked a lot about kind of the idea of connecting with women in you know, professionally that are in different generations. And I think we talked a lot about that too. And that's something that we haven't touched on in the podcast a lot. I think a lot of our guests are closer to our age or Mm -hmm. maybe aren't quite as, um, as like Emily's really, yeah, she's, she's like, she said Scout Digital had been around for 20 years and I know she was doing things before that. So she's at least 20 years further in her career than either of us are. Um, And it was really inspirational for me to hear somebody who's just starting out trying to build an agency um, to kind of hear the things that I feel like aren't talked about as much because, you know, people talk about, oh, how to build an agency. Okay, you need to get clients and you need to, this is how you do that and this is whatever. But she was talking more about how to be just a good person to work with and how that's really what it all Mm -hmm. comes down to. And I think that's something that I found... um, in my first couple of months running my business is, you know, doing good work. Yeah, obviously you need to do that. But understanding your clients and being a good person to work with for each of them and being flexible yeah. and things like that is really important. And that's something that yeah. we talked about with her. Well, that's, so. that's what, that's what like, people will actually be left with. They're not exactly. going to really, they're going to remember what you did for them, but it's not necessarily always going to be in like a, a digit, you know? Yeah, and I think um, I've been talking a lot about on the podcast. I'm not sure what order all these episodes are coming out but I do believe that the episodes no, where I talked about this I. will be out before <laughs> but I've talked about how keeping a client you know having a good client experience and treating clients well and being a good person to work with is how you keep a client maybe if let's say you do a campaign and it doesn't perform that well if they know that you are a good person to work with and that you're trying and that you you know yeah. we talked a lot about feedback here you can take feedback and you're constantly working on yourself and your skills and you're also constantly working through their goals and what they you know what they're looking for they're not going to be like oh uh oh this performed poorly by yeah, yeah they're going to you know work with you and things like that and i think that's really important um and that's something that emily touched on as well but i guess without further ado we will go ahead and get into the interview with emily Let's do it. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We know our audience is going to gain so much from hearing about you and your experience in the marketing industry. So we want you to go ahead and just introduce yourself for our audience and give them a bit of a background into your career if you want to go ahead and do that. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much, uh, Katie and Lexus, for having me. Uh, Love your podcast. Um, little bit of background. Um, So my name is Emily McMahon, um, and I've had a pretty extensive career in marketing and consulting. Uh, Currently, I am the VP of uh, marketing and branding, also a junior partner at Scout Digital, which is headquartered in Burlington, Vermont. Uh, We have national clients. um, So we work with Xerox, Thermo Fisher, um, Nalgene, just to name a few national clients. Um, But we really specialize in working with CPG companies, 
B2B scaling startups. And really, we've been big in the entrepreneurial scene for a long time. Um, What that means is we're really a performance creative shop. So a lot of companies come to us when they want an aggressive marketing play online for us to help them really grow their marketing funnel. Um, So that's kind of where I've landed today. Um, It's been a luxury to be a junior partner with my two business partners. They're fantastic. I've known them for like a decade. And we just wanted to build really a marketing agency that was really different in the marketplace. And, you know, we're excited to be growing that company. Okay. I love that. That's so exciting. I'm I, I don't know how much you know from what you listen to the podcast about me, but I'm a social media manager and working to kind of build my own agency. Oh, yeah. um, it's just me, myself, and I right now, but that's really exciting. Um, and kind of goes into the whole topic of this episode. So in this episode, we're going to kind of talk about how to put your best foot forward and how to look best in the eyes of potential employers or clients or your customers, mm-hmm. whether you are a service provider, a product-based business, or you're looking to get hired. So... We would love for you to share any experience you have with this in your own marketing career prior to Scout, kind of how you got to where you are, how you stood out, or how, um, or as well, how Scout is able to position themselves as a leading marketing agency in Burlington as well as nationally. Yeah, I think that's the biggest challenge. I mean, when you want to think about it, I'm going to go back a little bit to where it all starts. And what I actually admire about your girl's background is as much as mine is art. I hate Mm -hmm. to say it, it's the number one, and I actually saw this too, Alexis, when we first met, art is often undervalued in the number one skill set of separating yourself and learning how to think on your feet. So it's Mm -hmm. that critical thinking skill and presentation skill that you have to deal in something that's completely emotional and completely objective, but no one understands how transformative that skill is. And what I mean by that in networking and presentation, um, it's one of the biggest soft skills that 90% of the people I run into were either impressed by me or were surprised that I had. And it was the number one skill I learned in art school. And think about when you're trying to present a piece or something that you're pretty passionate about and someone tells you it looks like crap. I mean, that's a really hard yeah. thing you have to defend. And it's actually a great skill set to learn when you're presenting yourself in a networking situation. Because what you learn in art is that 50% of what you deliver in your presentation is your idea or the work of art itself. And then the other 50% is how you articulate it. So I think the biggest skill set I learned in art was the most transferable in my networking was understanding how to read a room understand, did my idea land, whether it's an idea for my business, what I'm trying to pitch or present, or how I'm trying to present myself. And if it Mm -hmm. doesn't land, you also know people are human. It's going to land one way with someone, but the next person isn't going to have the same response or receive it. So how do you adjust on the fly so that you're just not missing that momentum for someone to understand the value you're bringing individually as much as like the idea itself? I love that. And I think in marketing and in really any networking business, whether you're talking about pitching yourself to a client or you're talking about trying to connect with another business owner, I think a lot of times we think about like me, 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 like what am I bringing? And I like what you said because it's really – like it's really about the other person and how they're perceiving you because people are going to perceive you differently no matter if you take the exact same action in front of a group of 10 people, everybody's going to perceive you differently. So I think having that skill, like you said, is really important. And I feel like putting other people first when it comes to business is a really, really good tactic. Well, and think about the challenge that we have today is that we have one of the most cross-generate, like the most like intergenerational workplaces that we've ever had before. Mm -hmm. That is a massive 
massive challenge for anyone entering the workplace because we all are in our insular bubbles. I mean, I'm a millennial. I'm the first global. I really understood what the internet was like, but I also have a different drive than say my boomer or exer partners or, uh, you know, clients that I work with. And I actually think it's a disservice to anyone entering the workplace to not be that aware of all of the different generational responses or Mm -hmm. um, level of response. Yeah. And responsibility in that is that if you really want to change the world or be a business leader, it's not about age, it's how you communicate. And it's the accountability when you walk into that room, being aware that I have something to say, but how I say it to the right person and how they receive it is actually the biggest responsibility. Definitely. So I want to hear about like how you and the partners at Scout Digital have kind of like positioned yourself in the market and when it's time for you to, I I know you have such like a large clientele, like client base, but I want to know how do you look at yourself as a business and like marketing your service to other, you know, B2B? Oh, it's a daily challenge. And I think Mm -hmm. this is the other reason why bringing it back to entrepreneurship and having art be such a skill. Do you know how much you have to adjust on the fly when something's wrong? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that's my ultimate question for anyone thinking of starting their business, not just in the creative field, but in general. Are you willing to be as open? And that takes a lot of responsibility and empathy to know, um, you know, is my client happy or not? And be really that self-serving or empathetic to them because you can have the best product in the world. You can be the best social media manager in the world. But if it's not landing with your client, that's actually your biggest responsibility is to bridge that gap. And I think what's really a challenge is we have a system in place and we've been able to grow so fast because Alexis, you're right. We're actually critically asking our clients How are we doing? Did this service land? We're surveying our clients. Because if we can't have them be our biggest evangelist, that referral value is going to go right out the window. And anyone that runs a business knows, you know, it long tail cycles and sales cycles to get big contracts are hard. It's the white whales, it's outbound sales. That's a huge play. But the level of value or lifetime value of that client becomes so much more valuable once they land that sale that you are Mm -hmm. doing yourself a disservice not to give them the same level of sales and attention even through that entire experience or pipeline. Because acquiring a new customer is three times harder than upselling or that value of a a current customer. So Alexis, we, we do it all the time. And it's because we can use the term performance creative all we want in the industry. Someone mm-hmm. gets that. But someone that's come in, say, from Thermo Fisher and Nalgene, they right. don't necessarily think about performance creative or they might have searched us because of social media. We don't even do that. You know what I mean? Right. So Yeah. Yeah. And I also feel like I love what you're saying about each individual client or customer being pleased. And something that's big with me is, like on my onboarding is talking about their goals because yeah. especially when it comes to social media, some people don't care if they gain a follower. Some yeah. people want to nurture their communities. Some people want to gain a bunch of followers. And I think understanding what they are coming to you for and kind of what level they're coming to you at as yeah. well, like you said, how much do they really understand going into a meeting and throwing a bunch of marketing lingo <laughs> for somebody that might impress them a bunch and that might be what they want. But for another client, they might think, Okay. What are you even talking about? Like, actually, what are you talking about? And like, are you just trying to sound smarter than me and you're intimidating me? Well, and the funnier thing is I started in social media. That was like, I remember it being a game changer and 
heaven forbid I'm even dating myself. But like, I remember <laughs> coming out of college and Facebook was still so new. And the mm-hmm. concept that you could have a Facebook page for a like a business was earth shattering. We didn't have yeah. business profiles back then. Mm-hmm. And so this concept that you could use this social evangelized channel to market yourself. It was the first reason when I started my first new business, I was like, wait a second, this is an untapped resource. I have right. no budget. I have no money coming in the door. So the only thing I had at my credibility was awareness and value that I was driving yeah. through the social media channels. And Mm -hmm. so you have to be so aware of that social content, that social response and that community conversation that you, it it is sales if you do it correctly. And one Mm -hmm. of the things I did early on was understanding the disconnect between sales objectives and marketing objectives. And when we decided to start Scout, that's where we knew the differentiator is, is that we're not a line item company. You don't just have a $20,000 budget, come to Scout and we blow it out the window because it doesn't provide our value. So then it provides a different type of conversation that we're having with our clients. We're not a solution marketing agency anymore because we can do any solution you want, web, um, you know, social ads, channel management, whatever you need, but that's not why people are coming to us. Really what you have to get to, and I love the term, the golden circle, which is by Simon Sinek all of the time, is everyone focuses on their what, their solution. No one focuses on their value or their why or their how that they execute it. And that's Mm -hmm. why people stick around and love valuable businesses like Apple. There's a thousand yes. smartphone yeah. companies, uh-huh. but it's their value and their how and their intuition that people stick around for and become huge evangelists for. Definitely. Yeah, and it's your job as the person who's selling the product or service to explain that because I think the biggest thing I've learned since starting um, to do freelance social media management and build my agency is that people understand so much less than you think that they do. Oh, That's yeah. why they're coming to you. And so you have to under- or you have to let them understand, like kind of let them into your thought process and let them see, okay, this is why we're doing this. And even something as little as, you know, this is why I made this post into a reel instead of, you know, a static post, even things as simple as that. I think letting people in and letting them understand why you're doing things instead of just being like, okay, give me your money and I'll just go do it, I think really helps, like like we talked about earlier, make them feel like special, I think, and make them feel like really paid attention to and heard. But if, and think about the responsibility in that. And this is honestly, guys, I'll tell you the differentiator. Anyone can start a business. I've started five. <laughs> so yeah. I think like the thing is what you want to think about critically is why are you starting a business? And that's a really valuable thing to ask yourself, not only as a creative as an entrepreneur, is what are you trying to produce? What are you trying to show? Because if you're trying to create a company, because a great example for you, Katie, is like, I just want to be a great social media company. That's a totally valid goal. But if you want to be, you know, a differentiator if in the space, if you want to provide a value or something that's totally different, that takes a very different level of critical thinking. And it's the hardest responsibility. And that's where separating starting a business and being an entrepreneur really starts to happen in that scale. Mm-hmm. It's when you start realizing I'm providing a different level of value and not just a service, that's the automatic flip that's like, okay, I'm ready to do this entrepreneurship thing. And then yeah. you realize it's nothing but a road of failures <laughs> until you figure it out. And part of the failure that, again, I go back to art school all the time, you have to get comfortable with feedback because no one's going to deliver you valuable feedback, exactly. spoon-fed, saying, hey, you know, that thing that you didn't hit out of the park, here's how you could have made it better. They're going to tell you it was crap and walk away and you got to figure it out. (laughs) Exactly. Definitely. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit from the, you know, client, you know, customer point of view. And I want to talk about 
getting hired in more of like the corporate sense since you you know you're a partner you know you're hiring um employees for for the um agency so when you you are going through the interviewing and hiring process you're having people come to you and you know going through that process with you what are the top three things that you are looking for in a client and i'm not just saying like they have a good handshake like what are the you know what are the actual things that you are thinking this is going to make a good employee Yeah. And I think that's the hard part is I laugh about the handshake because we're a remote enabled company. So that would be actually impossible. But (laughs) um, I think what's kind of funny is that it's, we we talked about soft skills a lot. um, And I hate using soft skills because it sounds like people don't necessarily, it's kind of like an older term of what we would expect in that. I'm going to use the term emotional professionalism. Mm -hmm. And that's the unfortunate part that's not fair in education today. It's back to that presentation skill. And it's not that the people I'm interviewing aren't talented. You just pick up on different inconsistencies um, when they're you're meeting with them and having a conversation. So clearly we do a video interview even like this. Mm -hmm. every single time someone comes through the door. And we have a mindset that we're always interviewing. So we intentionally have a general resume drop off on our website because we want to see who's hungry enough to think that this is an interesting enough company for them. A little bit of that self-evaluation. Because the thing is, we have had five instances where people have come through the general resume drop off and we actually created a role for the right person. So going back to what I look for, it's a lot more unique than your skill set. I think it's not a surprise. Um, we are the first generation for the millennials. You guys are now right behind us with Gen Z. That really the question is, what is school providing you in value? And so that resume isn't really something that we're looking for. And so it can be LinkedIn. It can be experience. It could be someone that's like, hey, I never went to school, but I have this really awesome podcast. How are you presenting yourself is what I'm looking for in that submission first. And a lot of times LinkedIn is great. I just want to see what your career path has been and your level of effort to each thing you were chasing down. But really it starts, the interview doesn't start until we get someone on the phone or in a video call. And what we're Mm -hmm. looking for is, again, that emotional professionalism. I've learned more times than enough in marketing and especially digital marketing, I can train anybody. What I cannot train is how are you going to present yourself in front of a client? Are you going to be accountable to me? So it goes back to the values that we've instilled at Scout. We have this little internal saying that we only hire aces, accountable, continuous creatives, and empathetic people. And when we're looking for aces, it's are you self-aware enough that accountability means, hey, I may not have brought the best idea, but I can collaborate and work with this client and I'm going to remove ego ego enough mm-hmm. that the client's going to be like, okay, I can be a part of this partnership and conversation. That yeah. also rolls into empathy. You would be really surprised how many people I interview in marketing that are very ego-driven. I can do the best Facebook campaign. I know channels. Great. But like, are you going to be empathetic enough to know or unpack what a customer's business problem actually is? And again, not right. talk over their head. That's something that's really important to me as a differentiator um, because go work for a social media like management company, like really go like chase down a client, crank out 50 business like Facebook accounts. That's fine, but that's not what we're looking for at Scout. We want someone that's a little bit more intuitive, can have the conversation with a client and bring them value, meaning, hey, I've been looking at your Facebook campaign. It's not performing how I want to. Here's my recommendations. Can I, are you, am I empowered to do that? 
Yes. And I like what you said earlier about how, you, you know, you can teach any skill. That's one of the biggest things in social media. You you will not go into a job knowing everything you need to know. No. You will, there's no way you're going to know everything about whatever industry you're going to be working with. Scout could get a new client that none of you guys have any idea about the industry. It happens all the time. Like not a thing. Yeah. And so that's <laughs> why you need to know. Like that's why those, like you said, those soft skills are more important. And I've noticed that in like job interviews that I've had. And even like in school, when I would get like positions for my sorority or whatever, the reason that I'm getting them is not because I showed them three pretty graphics that I made. It's because, you know, it's because you're adaptable. And it's because and I think like Alexis has been our listeners know Alexis has been interviewing for a lot of jobs recently. And just talking to her, I know that that's a lot of like, you know, it's it's those are the kind of questions that that you're getting, Alexis, and the kind of conversations that you're having. Um, right. I feel like you probably have some But some so things. many people, and I actually think this is a disservice to our generation. And I mean, generationally, millennials and Gen Zs, we're digital mm-hmm. natives. So we often think digital plays in our favor, and it actually counts against us. And yeah. Alexis, even when you and I talked about some hiring or ways to get hungry about it, basically is don't take no for an answer. If someone has a general resume drop Mm -hmm. off or someone on LinkedIn, how are you profiling the right people at that company saying, I believe in what you're doing at this company. I know I can be a fit. Are you open to getting coffee? Do you know how like much of a differentiator that is to get a response like that on LinkedIn? I happen to get them a lot now. But I didn't always. Is that yeah. after this you get like eight people who are like, people I like, am. But it, think about getting a coffee with someone or saying, I value what you're doing at your mission at your company. I know you don't have an open job right now. Here is my resume. I know I can provide this as a value and skill set. Are you open to meeting me? That mm-hmm. right there will put you to the top of the list, even if a list isn't even created. And yeah. when people reach out to Scout like that to me, that is immediately why. I have these vanity jobs up all the time. People apply from all the time and they do the click send all the time. I don't hire those people. I hire someone that has looked at me on LinkedIn, said, I've seen your career. I know what you're bringing to the table. I want to work for a female leader. I want to build that opportunity here. One of the best things we've done at Scout, and I didn't even think, and Alexis, you and I talked about this as me being a mom. Mm-hmm. I never thought I could provide a sustainable place in marketing where women that are moms feel like you're the first agency I get to go work at where I can be an at-home mom and not feel undervalued or not be mm-hmm. good at my job. And I said, that is this really shitty situation to be in. That It's not only an industry, but so many people use technology or that because you're working at home, you're not working hard enough. And I've known right now, what am I trying to get out of my employees? Is it the value you're delivering? That's my number one KPI. I don't care how hard you work or where you work. If you're delivering that value for my client, work 25 hours a day and yeah, or 25 hours a week and get paid 40. That's literally the value we provide here. We have unlimited PTO for a reason because why am I tracking you to go to the doctor's appointment? Because you had something come up in the middle of the day and expecting you to work till like 13 hours to cover that. Like what... What sustainability really is that? So like you have to rethink like who are you trying to hire on this team? And the funny thing is, is like my business partners and I came out of that older generation of boomers and Xers where it's like, we're your family. Like you should want to do everything with us. We are not (laughs) your family at Scout. Like, no, (laughs) you should have your own sustainable work-life balance outside of our office. But if anything, we always say we're a sports team here. You are in a role where you fit, where you need to be. And you can level up. Here's how you do it. And here's how we're going to support you as a team member. So we really try to realign. This is not your family. We're not your best friends. You clock in or clock out. 
This is a place where you can come as a team member where you're empowered to do your job and do your best work, but you're not alone in the role that you have to operate in. And we really believe in, again, back to art school, critical thinking. You cannot be the individual that that client relies on for us to provide value at Scout. So if you're going to be in the video department, you're going to be in copywriting, you're going to be in branding, you're also providing value and you should be this guest appearance or expert or star And so that's why we're looking for a whole different person to join our company is that if I wanted an individualist, I would have a different company. And that's just not what I'm looking for. So I need to find a whole different level of skill set where it comes back to emotional professionalism, critical questions. Can you present yourself? Um, Can you also think critically at a business problem that provides maybe five different solutions the clients never thought about? Those are very different interview questions than being like, can you run a Facebook campaign? We are going to take a quick break to thank the sponsor of this week's episode. It is that time again, once again, when we talk about our love for Oathouse. We profess our love to Oathouse here on the podcast. If you have not heard us talk about Oathouse before, then you're probably not um, listening to enough of our episodes. (laughs) (laughs) But Oathouse is the world's first oat-based spread. So think peanut butter made out of oats. Mm -hmm. It is nut-free, gluten-free vegan, organic, top eight, allergen free, and it tastes like liquid Teddy Grahams. It is so good. I have been absolutely chowing down on the (coughs) strawberry shortcake flavor recently. I will bring it to my desk at like 3 p.m. and with a spoon. Yeah. I'm scooping it out. I'm putting it straight in my mouth. Mm -hmm. It's so good. So we got sent three new flavors. The last time that we did an ad, I believe it was the brownie butter, it was the vanilla, and the pumpkin spice. And this time we got strawberry shortcake we got cookie dough and we got coffee and katie really loves the strawberry shortcake you would think that that would be my favorite because i am a strawberry girly but shockingly my favorite is the cookie dough i mean that is my favorite ice cream flavor so that makes sense but it is so good and austin is super picky and he really really loves the cookie dough so you know that it is um picky eater approved. approved yes yes I made Jonah taste all of them with me when I got the package in. We did a little rating situation. He was obsessed. He now requests them when he mm-hmm. comes to my house. So it's girl approved. It's boyfriend approved. It mm-hmm. is CYA approved. We love Oathouse so much. If you're thinking to yourself, I need it. I need it. First of all, you can purchase it on their website, which is granolabutter.com, which G-R-A-N-O-L-A-B-U-T-T-E-R.com. But they also are in select retailers. So you can find them in select Whole Foods, Fresh Market, Erewhon, Sprouts, Harris Teeter, Thrive Market, and more. But if you're purchasing online, you can use our code CYA20 for 20% off of your first order at granolabutter.com. Again, G-R-A-N-O-L-A-B-U-T-T-E-R.com. If you've seen our Instagram stories recently, (laughs) you already know the sponsor that we are about to talk about. Better Days Co. is our new obsession, our new favorite brand, and our new girlies that we just, we absolutely love. And our new hyperfixation. Katie and I can sometimes become people that we get hyperfixated on one thing, and that becomes our new personality. And this is by far 
our new personality. We are green girls. We are green juice, exactly. I guess, girls. Um, we are healthy. We are slaying, honestly, slaying 2023. Exactly. And as far as hyperfixations go, this is a great one. So if you're wondering what Better Days Co. is, they are premium supplements that taste great and focus on simplicity, convenience, and affordability. So we have tried specifically the Better Greens. They have caffeinated and non-caffeinated options. And what these are is little packets of greens that I think two packets equals your daily serving of vegetables. Yes. And there's so many amazing ingredients in there. You can have the caffeinated ones in the morning. You can have the non-caffeinated ones any time of the day. And they seriously taste amazing. I actually got a DM from somebody. I've been sharing them on my Instagram story. And she said, I've been wanting to implement greens into my diet, but they all taste like garbage. And I was like, (laughs) this tastes like a delicious treat. Yes. This Alexis was talking about using this as like a sugar replacement Mm -hmm. in her, you know, when you need a sweet treat after dinner. Yes. You have a sweet treat, but it's in the form of vegetables. How amazing does that sound? And they also have, it's not just a company for greens. They also have better sleep. If you have trouble sleeping, uh, they have better hormones, especially if you are having your time of the month. This is a great Mm -hmm. option to kind of like regulate things, especially with PMS. Um, They have better collagen, which is I literally have on the way right now uh, which also has protein in it so it's great to put in your smoothies and uh, also they have better glow which is mostly for um, skin but I have fully committed that I am now a better days girl so has Katie and we are also officially marking check your aesthetic as a better days podcast. Yes. And in 2023, this is going to be one of the habits that I am. It already has become a habit, but I'm going to continue and take on. And I think that it's, it tastes delicious. Their packaging is super cute. Mm -hmm. Um, All literally all you have to do is pour the packet into some water. And I use my little electric mixer that I use to like froth my coffee Mm -hmm. to mix it in. And you guys know if I have replaced my coffee with something, it is seriously good. I have a (laughs) coffee obsession. And Better Days Co. has taken over most of my mornings now. So that is saying a lot. So if you're listening to this and you're like, dang, girls, y'all got me convinced. You can use our code for money off. So you are in luck. You can use code CYA for 10% off of your Better Days Co. order. I would recommend placing an order of every single item in their shop. Um, (laughs) I have some better hormones on the way. So I will report back to you guys and let you know how I like my better hormones. But as of right now, I can tell you better greens with and without caffeine. Chef's kiss. Yes. They also have uh, subscriptions. If you get hooked, just like Katie and I, you will get them every month or you can even get it every two weeks. And Absolutely. that code for 10% off, which is capital CYA, also applies to any subscriptions, which is already at a discounted rate because it is more of a bulk deal. And if you're shopping right now on the website and you need some recommendations for flavors, Raspberry Limeade is my absolute favorite. I did order myself Peach Limeade to try out, but they also have a new fruity cereal flavor. There's options for really whatever you like, whatever your taste is, they have an option. So head to Better Days Co. and use code CYA for 10% off. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I feel like that's something that I notice a lot as I mean, like I said, currently I'm a one woman show and there's only so much you can do when you're growing as a one woman show. But I notice with my clients, I'm sitting there thinking like, I wish that you would hire also, you know, a copywriter or like, I wish I had this big, you know, obviously in the future, hopefully this big agency team, because I have so many ideas that are outside of social media and things that, you know, would work well together. And I think all of it's like a puzzle, but being able to think outside of your specific, you know, you're not a robot, not just thinking like 
this is going to get you this many likes, which is going to get you this many followers, which is going to get you this many sales. Like that's just also literally not how it works at all. And it never will be. And if somebody thinks, or if a social media manager, I always tell my clients, if a social media manager tells you they're going to get you X amount of sales, run away because they're not. Yeah, they're not. They can't. And they got to be, like, so we, because we do lead gen all the time. The biggest Mm -hmm. mixed, uh, like mixed messaging that we hear all the time in like other competitors or where people, you know, are falling down. And I call it like the old way of digital marketing. It's follower, it's like followers vanity and then, um, you know, like the top level awareness funnel, like likes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. At the end of the day, the critical thing you're looking for, if you're truly going to talk about sales, conversions. So at the exactly. end of the day, like what are you actually converting in terms of value? Because again, it's not because you're converting, if someone's telling you they're converting traffic 75%, they're totally lying to you. Exactly. Um, because exactly. really great conversions should be at the 25 to 30%. Again, if you're really doing this every day, optimizing the channel and really looking at it critically, because it takes a real critical thinker to drive a sale intuitively online because that's a lot of touch points as a metric, a math, or a puzzle piece before someone even is in a warm enough qualified lead to pick up the phone. So, and do you have enough enough of a digital path, forms, landing pages, information that's documented that when that salesperson picks up the call, they're empowered to pick up the conversation and not start over? Because that client, if you do it right, and I've done this a lot, driven a lot of leads that are like $100,000 value on a website, that it's all about that customer experience. And that's the sale. And so many people rely on technology that they forget, have you run yourself through your own chatbot? Have you clicked on your own Facebook ad and seen a spelling error, a missed period? Have you seen anyone pick up the phone with you and give you a scripted voice? All of that matters now because the old way of doing digital marketing is just running a system and then being like, oh, a qualified lead popped up. And that's kind of like, a shot and a barrel versus like you can actually qualify your leads way more effectively where it's a customer service driven experience now. And so Mm -hmm. many people miss that boat. It's like, it really should be that first part of customer service before you hand it off to the sales team. Yeah, exactly. So I want to switch out of like, you know, employers and more so talk about um, like our client, you know, service provider based businesses, um, and for our listeners that have those businesses. Um, So how do you suggest that these service-based providers market themselves in the business and and, or in market their business and show that they have something that is different than another business? Um, You know, it's, it's easy to say, like you said, I can give you these these numbers that's like (laughs) what what does that really mean but how can you show that especially especially for the client that doesn't know what you're talking about (laughs) so huge um thanks for throwing me an iceberg alexis but um i was gonna say i think the biggest thing is okay again if we're hiring if we're trying to provide value and we're hiring critical thinkers people need to scale way back and think okay, what do I need to do here? And so one of the Mm -hmm. biggest things we do at Scout is we kind of qualify our clients in multiple ways. Our own lead generation is what I'll say, is we put them through a very predictable path of, all right, how are we defining success? And if you truly do it well, and a lot of marketing agencies say, hey, we do consulting, we do, it's really top level vanity or running kind of BS reports about your online performance. Mm -hmm. So I took a real heavy hand in that strategy at Scout. If we're really going to do it differently, we had to think a little bit more of like an online product company. And what I mean by that, it's 
business requirements, information gathering upfront that we're getting paid for to actually roadmap marketing content success. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is we go through a really clear definition or definitive process with all of our clients. If you're a new client, you were sold a very predictable, what we call our defined contracts, where we go through all of those goals. Now, Mm. we ask really critical questions in that. And because if we're going to be your extended partner, our average client has, you know, we've been around for 20 plus years. So our average client has been with us for five to 10. And now that we're providing a really full funnel marketing service, we need to know it all. So we get paid for that upfront for all of our ideal clients coming on now, and they pay for us to get in and do a deep dive in discovery. And what that means, it's not just asking like, let's run reports, see how you're doing online. Mm -hmm. It's what are your KPIs and business goals? And that is a very different way for us to think at a marketing agency. 90% of marketing agencies don't think like that. They either have BS templates that they fill out, they run it through and they're like, cool, you performed well online, and they shift you off to all of solutions or delivery. For us, it's very intentional upfront. It's those critical business conversations. What are your top three sales goals? How do you measure that? Do you guys have a sales team? Because if we're gonna integrate and be that alignment partner, we need to know who we're handing these off to. And if you don't have a sales team, we're not your partner. <clears throat> because we can hand you all of these qualified leads all the time. We do it all of the time, especially in CPG and service-based companies. But mm-hmm. who's that person picking up the phone and vetting that we're actually sending you the right leads? So. It's really critical to uncover, because this is where businesses really break down. They get really freaked out that if we work with other CPG companies, B2B or service-based companies, they're like, well, if you work with that company, we're so unique that we don't want to give you the sweet spot or like work with you in this way. And our report is because of the complexity of online search digital and how it is, the level of customization you have to do, not only in content, but targeting and search, you really cannot operate like another company, even in your competitive field, if you're paying attention, which again goes back to that value of define. So once we define that, that's where we actually put together a very aggressive content roadmap. Here is your map. Now that we know your goals, here is targeting aligned with content, aligned with nurturing, and how these campaigns are all going to cycle through every single month. Now it's Mm -hmm. the Rolls-Royce five-year plan, but the value in that is when we say now let's pick your budget and enter a recurring market with you, the really valuable thing that we're doing on that um, monthly basis now is unlocking potential because we do know we can trim a lot of that advertising budget and reinvest it into the next campaign. So we finally put together a roadmap with our client that as soon as we know we've performed and you give us the blessing, we're unlocking a whole nother intentional campaign to start testing, optimizing, and building this entire front funnel for your sales team. So it's, we now know after three years of that new model, it's worked. We've driven like 75% year over year for a lot of our CPG clients because again, it takes a lot of monitoring and maintenance and it's the same playbook we now do for B2B and scaling service companies. How do we think about that click funnel online? How do we think about intention? And again, is it aligned with your business goals? Because that's what picks terminology, customer targeting, how they talk about your business that's very unique. And if you're just throwing a bunch of AI Kanban words out there, it's not going to, you're going to burn a lot of money in that. Right. Yeah. And that's, I feel like it's so interesting that you say that because like when you're talking about goals and things like that and how you're saying most marketing agencies don't function that way, it's going to sound like I'm thinking like 
acting like I'm the smartest person in the world. No. I'm not. But that's always been my inclination. Oh. Um, like with social and stuff like that. Like I just feel like if you don't like I you can't promise any results. Like I said, there's no results that you can one hundred percent guarantee in really anything in the world, but especially in social media, unless you're buying likes, buying comments, Which buying is- you know. Do which not. is no don't do that um but well, and then think about what you, know, you, you do to your business when you buy stuff like that like exactly people don't understand you can yes you can get an ai you can get an algorithm you can buy it but guess what you're also yes. buying you're buying a lack of quality exactly exactly and you're working against yourself and i think like social media used to be before people really understood it and before i think it's switching every year more and more to be a community-based platform that businesses are businesses are changing the way that they're showing up on social media and it's not it people aren't just impressed by oh you have you know 60,000 followers and get a bunch of comments that are hearts and emojis like nobody's impressed by (laughs) that anymore exactly people are impressed by showing up authentically and you know telling your story and values your you know how your brand functions behind the scenes and what you know are you eco-friendly and are you you know all of those things um but I think also another funny thing that I wanted to mention whenever you said if they don't have a sales team you're not working with them um (laughs) I've had so many people who like I think people think social is just such a quick fix where it's like I literally had somebody who didn't have a functioning website who was like the social media is gonna fix it I was like well where are they gonna go like where are they gonna go like where are they going because but think about they're not gonna just call you so many businesses it's so funny to me because people are always like, oh, digitalist, and they get so caught up in the vanity or the technology when I'm sitting mm-hmm. there, I'm like, it's the age-old business critical question, what's the customer path? Exactly. Right? No, and it's, you know, like you said, it takes all these touch points. Somebody, to make a purchase in, you know, the larger the purchase, the more touch points that it's going to take. But for somebody to make a purchase, you can't just tell them in the caption, call me today. Also, anybody in Gen Z is not calling you. That's just well, my... Oh, here's the thing. That is like... Not at all. What I love <laughs> yeah. because one of my oldest like consulting that I had done was persona research and targeting. And I think what people don't understand, if you're not asking those questions all the time to optimize that funnel, like yeah. as soon as someone closes that sale, how was this experience? Three questions can optimize your SEO, your tail. Because so many people, when I started in social media, they're like exactly like this. They're like, call me today. And I'm like, okay, that maybe worked like 10 years ago. Cause someone's like, that's cool. How do they know to call me? It was like, right. there was mm-hmm. such a naivete for when it came to like social media. And now it's like the generations that are now digitally native demand more. And what does that mean? When I started in this industry, the average touch point when I was like your guys's age, six pieces of content to convert someone online. Now it's 23 and I guarantee you it's like 32 plus. So that means like, think about all of those levels of touch points that someone's going to throw at you online that you and I are just like, we're used to, but you know, boomers and extras have no concept or understanding to think that critically. So if there's 23 to 32 touch points, that could be a Google ad, that could be um, you know, optimized SEO, all of a sudden this search result starts popping up, your website becomes more valuable. Then all of a sudden this blog was relevant. You're like, oh, that's weird. Oh, it's that company again. And you keep thinking about that. And so you have to be so in- insanely aware of where those online touch points are for that potential customer. If you don't map out that experience, you are literally blowing money up. And it gets so expensive so fast. And when you look at CPG, because of when you're doing buying, just click buy online, they have the longest content paths is because it's someone like us that's on an Instagram. We might be on LinkedIn. And then all of a sudden we see Google shopping ads, or then all of a sudden we're on Reddit and seeing someone that was an influencer. Then we're on TikTok. All of those paths 
really provide a level of core value. And what people forget, each channel has an algorithm, each channel has a strategy, and each channel has a target demographic. And if you're not paying attention to that data or have a data analyst like we do in-house, you are really missing the opportunity to spend your money efficiently. Yeah, definitely. So I want to, um, since we're talking about kind of like the customer or the client and like their perspective, I want to talk and also incorporating this into product-based businesses so it's not just service providers that are listening. Um, But what would you say are the top three things that clients or consumers are kind of like looking at or looking for when they're choosing whether or not they're going to, um, you know, purchase from your business or work with you? 100% it comes back to conversions. So what it goes back to One of the biggest differentiators in understanding our value, and we're launching all of our new brand and everything this year for that reason, is again, we need to get better at targeting our own ideal client because clients are coming to us because we're going to help you convert online. And the thing about that is that it goes back to, we're not a vanity metric shop. We're not just going to throw up a Google Analytics dashboard, and we're not just going to show you all of this kind of BS fluffy analytics. Because anyone Mm -hmm. now that's looking at their Google Analytics and telling me that they know what they're seeing you're missing the whole industry that's just developed five years ago is that you really need someone that's thinking critically about data online. And then there's data, but then there's parsing and informing what data means to do your business value. So what's really important is we have to uncover with a client, what does conversion mean for you? Because conversion really is a sale. Like, let's be real. If your business goal is to sell more Nalgene water bottles. The thing is, that's a very specific goal. And the good news, the more specific, the better you can do because you should be simple, clear, and direct in that. And that's where we see explosive growth. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing with service providers. What is your conversion we're trying to do as your top KPI? Because if we can't think like your sales team, we can't supplement, support, or provide the right content and the targeting strategy. So it's really at a performance creative shop, a duality in that. Once we have the Mm -hmm. sales goal, the conversion goal, the KPI, then it's two departments, AI, data, analysts saying, okay, here's our opportunity. Then it's our creatives, which I love that team because that was the team I built. It's how do we present this opportunity uniquely, um, genuinely with brilliant Mm -hmm. content. And brilliant content now is where a lot of people mess the mark. You can't just hire a social agency or you can't just hire um, an advertising agency or PPC company and they have a templated ad that just pops up after all of that interest. It's got to be dynamic video, animation, really thoughtful graphic design, stop motion graphics. And that's where like people really miss the boat is that it's still like a really aggressive targeting strategy definition, but like it's got to come down to great content now, like high quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I like what you said about having those like two separate teams. I think that's something that is even in like my master's program, I think is a great example. I'm getting my master's in essentially in social media um, from University of Florida. And, you know, you I'm taking a research methods class alongside a copywriting class alongside a, you know, a creative, like essentially a graphic design class. And I think having all of those skills is important, but also honing one specific skill and having people with those different skill sets is what makes kind of like a dynamic agency to like what people are looking for is somebody who can, you know, who can hit it from all of those angles and really know what you're 
what you're doing and why you're doing it, I think, is like like we've talked about. It's the why behind it, not just this looks pretty. You so know? we often say with all of our new um, marketing and positioning we're putting out is we're the intersection of technology and creativity. Mm-hmm. Is that one does not inform or do better value than the other. So yeah. that level of creativity, complexity, or critical thinking that I need on that team it doesn't matter how good you are at your individual solution or job, is that I need someone that's going to take really valuable information and provide a better solution. And it's actually why we have a huge team of artists. And artists that maybe came out at UX, UI, graphic design, that then moved into product, web, user experience, mm-hmm. or you know traditional graphic designers that are now way more valuable, is that exactly that point is it's a level of critical thinking online that people are forgetting that technology is only 50% of it, creativity is only 50%, but are they aligned as much as the sales and KPIs? So it's a huge problem you have to solve. Yeah, and I feel like in marketing in general, you're using like both sides of your brain so much because obviously you have like your data specialists, but then that data is given to the creatives and, you know, tell this story with what you're given and what you know about the audience and what you know about where they are, what they are doing, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I feel like that is definitely the hardest part of the job. Um, Okay, let's talk a little bit about trust. Obviously, it's important that your clients trust you, especially when you're working with these bigger clients in these big budgets and you're working with, you know, your client isn't one person, it's a whole team. So you're kind of establishing trust between that whole team. Um, So how can service-based businesses market themselves kind of as trustworthy when maybe they are just getting started and maybe they don't have, you know, they don't have this word of mouth going on yet, like we talked about. They don't have a ton of clients, Um, I guess, bringing it kind of back to whenever you started Scout or as you said, you've started way more than one business. Um, but kind of when you're starting out, it can be hard to prove yourself, I guess. Yeah. So how do you market yourself and you know communicate yourself as a trustworthy and valuable business before you really have a lot of things to show for? That That's a huge challenge. And again, it goes back to being a differentiator, <clears throat> excuse me, of it's separating the fact anyone can start a business with scaling and growing a business is again, Mm -hmm. it goes back to monitoring that customer success. Um, It's a constant, it's a constant battle. Like we just had conversations today about, Hey, are we breaking down on this client experience on their website today? Can we make it better? So it's also having the right people on the team to go back and critically look at stuff that we've done in the past. Again, artist mindset, are we improving? Are we continuously improving? Are we, Um, allowing this to happen because you also have to take it with a grain of salt. You're not going to solve everyone's problem. You're not going to be everyone's silver bullet, but how do you get there to at least have hard conversations and hard conversations with clients are brutal and it's being a realist. It's a client might come in with an assumption and really say, this is how, this is how we market. This is how we operate, but are they open? And again, back to accountability, accountable and empathetic enough to themselves to say, Ooh, we might be thinking wrong about this. So how are we using scout as a mirror? And then really scout has to use their clients as a mirror to be like, Hey, we're delivering this great experience, but do we actually do it? It's like kind of closing that loop. So when you're starting out, Sometimes, usually what ends up happening when you start a business, you have a great service or you have a great product and like it starts happening. And then all of a sudden you get what I call the ultimate bloat syndrome is that you keep doing the work and you forget to work on the business. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm getting five clients, 10 clients, 75, all this stuff. And then think about how fast that explodes 
Are you paying attention to your system's values in customer service? 95% of people are not. So I would say when you're getting started, be genuine. Don't operate bigger than you are. People are going to pick up on that a lot faster than people think online. It used to be so easy when I started in the business, like landing pages of fake SEO content, you know, to read and make you perform and search better. That's BS that does not exist in algorithms anymore. Yeah. So really think about level of effort is your marketing should be genuine, genuine. So don't be pumping out a bunch of blogs of stuff you're not doing yet if it's just not happening. And also bite off what you can chew. Like you want to think about um, accomplishing content or marketing goals um, and your value in brand versus like I'm doing, I'm working so hard on this business that I'm forgetting to do the business or the work. Mm -hmm. So it's really a balance of being start out, be genuine, know that when you're going to have a high value blog or write about an experience with a client, it's because you're doing something really great or in depth in depth. Now it's a huge, valuable piece of content as you scale. My biggest question to most people starting their businesses service or CPG, are you surveying your clients and actually taking that information back to the team and eva- like evaluating critically how you're performing? And yeah. you have to be not afraid of that feedback. You just you can't be afraid. Definitely. So um, on the on the the theme of starting out for our final official question before we head into random questions. I know that personally, I look up to you a lot. I think that I see you kind of as like a mini mentor for me. Um, So I would love to know if you could tell yourself something back from when you were first starting out, whether that's when you were starting Scout or when you were um, just starting out in your marketing career in general, what would that be? God, um, <laughs> I laugh now because like the jet, it's just, you guys are, I'm going to say so lucky in your generation because you have the ability to have different mentors than I did. Um, I would definitely say there was something really empowering about female mentorship. Get it, be open to it. Um, because we just didn't have it in the same way when I was starting out, there was opportunity, mm-hmm. but there wasn't accessibility in the same way that you guys have it now for your generation. And I think, um, I've always joked and Alexis, I kind of told you about this too, is that sometimes women weren't there to support newer women coming into the workplace or those critical questions. So if you do have right. a female mentor, oh my God, use it to the best of your ability to really grow your career and be also really open that they can provide you a level of feedback on emotional professionalism. How did you do it? I'm interested in family, career, because you're going to have to choose. And we're just entering this post-boom world of technology where women can do it all. And that's absolutely crap and crazy. And you just got to find what balance means for you. And again, yeah. I'm also really lucky. A lot of my mentors are guys. So again, a mentor is going to work for you in certain areas of your career and growth. But I've only recently gotten dynamic female um, mentors. And I would say you guys have an advantage now where like there's a female accessibility leadership that did not exist the same way when I was your age. Definitely seek that out. Use it. Get coffee. Be open. And then the other thing is be patient. We have we're digital natives. We're coming out of college. We have a lot more skill sets than the normal workforce. Right. Be patient with the other generations in workforce because, again, are you coming in like the Kool-Aid man, like kicking the door down? No one (laughs) wants to work with you. Not the best quality. Um, We tend to do it. I mean, digital natives are lack of patience, kind of laugh about it. But 
have a little bit more empathy and understand that if you're going to be that leader, and I truly mean a leader in the workplace or what you do, you have to be open to how someone's receiving you, you as a person and your information you're delivering. So really be critical to yourself of, I have a great idea. Is this being received? Think about mentors that are of different generations, um, someone that's not in your field. See how they might be receiving some of your feedback or thoughts or ideas. That is extremely valuable. So mentorship is really valuable in both ways for females, but also multi-generationally, is don't accept that just because you know something, because you're a digital native coming out of college, that does not mean you're hot shit. (laughs) When I was younger... It's a vanity thing. It's like, wait, how do I know this? You can just Google it. And you'd be really surprised that still exists in the workplace. So again, mm-hmm. have a little bit more accountability and empathy coming out of school, knowing I can be a leader in, hey, this is actually how we optimize a social media channel, or this is how mm-hmm. we provide really great content. What do you think? It's a differentiator, yeah. but it makes it the most cross-functional skill in a workplace that you're going to be someone that people can work with and not avoid. Yeah. Yeah, And I also feel like that's how you learn. Like there's so many things that older generations know way more about than us and I, than our generation. And I think, like you said, a lot of that is like how to work with people. Like a lot of us, like I graduated and I've worked from home pretty much the entire time. And I have very little experience in an actual workplace because of COVID, honestly. And so I think that there's a lot that we can learn from, you know, maybe not the specific how to work Instagram or how to, you know, design a website, but there's a lot of different skills that we can learn from different people. But I love that. Everything you said was so amazing. I know that our listeners are just like, we love to say people are taking notes. Like I know they're taking notes this episode. (laughs) I only Um, hope, but yeah. (laughs) Yes, I know that they are. Um, Okay, so random question. Today's is a self-serving random question because I have something that I wanted to tell all the (laughs) listeners about. But it is, what is your current favorite thing to snack on? So Emily, you can go ahead and start us off. Well, first of all, being pregnant, let's be real. What am I not snacking on? Um, (laughs) I was going to say, but current thing, I mean, it's so funny. I'm such a, a creature of comfort, but I'm like, I know this sounds really dumb. I'm a huge popcorn fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if I'm going to go to like anything where it's just like I could have a like a whole bag of popcorn and I would think about it, it's definitely <laughs> smart food popcorn. If not, I'm making popcorn myself for like me and my yeah. son. Um, I don't know what it is about popcorn. It's such an easy, simple snack. But like mm-hmm. cheddar yeah. cheese popcorn, add a little mm-hmm. like nutritional yeast, whatever that weird random stuff out there, like I'm all in on it. So yeah, I love it. I've never tried it. popcorn with nut- nutritional yeast. I That is definitely something that I'm going to have to try probably today. It's very crunchy and very like <laughs> that's okay. Vermont but I was yeah. I started laughing like it's something I grew up with like in when I was in central Vermont like you go to the movie theaters but like really yeah. good butter and like nutritionally yeast a little bit of salt shockingly is a great just like a great thing so good um okay so for me mine is um the weirdest thing ever it is something that Austin and I found when I believe it was when we were Christmas shopping and it's only sold at Marshall's and it which is the weirdest thing also just they always like, have the craziest people make jokes about how like everything's like three years expired yeah literally <laughs> like braving they, the marshall they snacks. have they have like the weirdest food ever but it's these honey graham crackers that are like they're graham crackers but then they're covered in chocolate and they're so good and i literally looked up the brand but they don't sell them to consumers i can only get them at marshall's and i'm like you can't order Online. But it's that Marshall's checkout line. You'd be surprised. All that yeah. offbeat food that, like, you yeah. might be really surprised. Yeah. Exactly. But then I can never trust that that's going to be there because it's Marshall's and there's, so like, just buy random stuff. <laughs> yeah, literally. But, yeah, Katie, what is your what is your thing you've been waiting to 
Well, so. okay. So I am currently PMSing. So, you know, the cravings for the various snacks that I haven't had and, you know, don't have access to are really high, um, as you might expect. But I was actually texting Jonah about this yesterday. So this is something that like a family, like a friend of Jonah's, like a family member of Jonah's friends makes. So it's like a lot of people make it, but it's firecracker mm-hmm. pretzels. And they're like, they have like oil some sort of oil and then there's like ranch packet seasoning and like red pepper flakes on them and then like salt and pepper and then you like bake them and it make I cannot even explain that I could shovel them into my mouth with an actual (laughs) shovel that you like that you use for the ground like I would eat that many it is so crazy I was sitting on my couch yesterday and I was like (laughs) I have to like I'm gonna have to go to the grocery store and get the ingredients for these pretzels because it's seriously like it's problematic but that's my favorite snack they're they're, I think they're Alabama firecracker something you can also make them in cracker form you can make them in any sort of form we'll have to share the recipe on the stories yeah I need to figure out Pam's recipe because they really like New Year's Eve I would that was my dinner. It was so good. Um, okay. Well, Emily, thank you so, so much for coming onto the podcast today. This was seriously such a valuable episode. I know I'm going to be re-listening and taking notes. Um, and <laughs> I'm going to be connecting with you on LinkedIn. So watch out for that. But um, I would love for you to plug yourself, tell people where they can connect with you, um, learn more about what you do and what Scout does. And yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Um, for anyone that's kind of interested at Scout, um, best way to go straight to our website, see all of our social channels, um, especially with Vimeo and some of the video work that we do. So just go to scoutdigital.com. Um, you can definitely see more about me on there, all of our team members, LinkedIn, uh, some of our select clients. We are rebranding. So uh, brace yourselves. Um, we're hopefully going to have a nice new website um, in the next couple of months. Um, but yeah, the greatest way to connect up with me on there, you can get me through LinkedIn, also learn more about Scout and also learn more about me myself. So. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Check Your Aesthetic Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want more, follow us on Instagram at Check Your Aesthetic and TikTok at Check Your Aesthetic Podcast. If you want to support our show, text the link to this episode to a friend, share when you listen to CYA on your story, or leave a positive rating or review wherever you're listening to this episode. If you want to hear more from us, be sure to hit the follow button on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll talk to you next Monday. See ya. Thank you.